Well, if you have your Bibles, we are kind of camping out in John chapter 15. Uh, several weeks ago, we finished the book of Luke, and uh, as we as we finished that book, we were asking the questions, what now? And I, I think that was a question that the disciples were asking themselves when they watched Jesus ascend into heaven. What now? Now what? What are we to do? And uh, a few weeks ago, we went to uh, Hebrews chapters 5 and 6 and uh, looked at the the author and what he was sharing with uh, with the uh, the Christians, talking about the fact that uh, you guys need to get off the milk and get into the meat of the word. It's God's desire for our lives to grow in Christ-like maturity and uh, grow in gr- the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. And so we we went to uh, Luke. Um, Actually, we looked at John chapter 15. And in John chapter 15, um, following Jesus' time with disciples in the upper room as he was heading to the Garden of Gethsemane to to pray to his Father, gearing up, uh, preparing himself for what was about to take place as he would die for our sin on the cross, Um, he came along a grapevine. And uh, he gave uh, an illustration using the grapevine to his disciples because uh, he wanted them to continue to uh, live for him even though he wasn't going to be with them physically. But uh, even though he wasn't here physically on earth, uh, they still needed to relate to God, to have this relationship with Jesus Christ. And so he used the illustration of the grapevine. And uh, he talked about, he said, guys, you know, apart from me, you can do nothing. Abide in me. If you abide in me, if you remain in me, if you train yourself to remain in me, you're going to produce not just fruit, but you're going to produce much fruit. We talked a little bit about what this fruit is. It's a, the fruit of the Spirit. A love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. These Christ-like characters. And if we abide in Christ, we are going to produce much of those characteristics that we find in Jesus. And so, uh, a little further on in John chapter 15, what did it mean to abide in Christ? Well, Jesus said this in uh, John chapter 15, in, um, in verse, verse 7, he said, If you abide in me, and my words abide in you. God's words need to abide in our hearts. If God's words are a part of our life, this is going to encourage you and I to remain, to stay, to train ourselves to remain in Him. And so a few weeks ago we looked at what, how do we apply 
God's word to, to our life? How do we make God's word a part of our life? And I gave you a very practical uh, example of uh, getting the most out of God's Word. And the acrostic was Space Pets. And if you weren't here for that message, I encourage you to go online. Because if you're a person who struggles with uh, getting something out of the Bible personally, that acrostic will uh, revolutionize your, your quiet time with the Lord. And so Jesus says, not only is my words to abide in you, but... If you ask, ask me, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. Not only are we to be people of the word, but we're to be people of prayer. God speaks to us through his word. We speak to God through prayer. And we looked at the purpose of the prayer. We looked at uh, how to pray. And we looked at Matthew chapter 6. And if you're a person who struggles with coming up with words to convey to the Lord, uh, I encourage you to get last week's message. Because uh, if you'll use that outline, uh, you'll never be a, at a loss for words as you spend time with the Lord in prayer. And... Uh, and as this is a part of your life, there are going to be circumstances in your life who uh, that are going to get the best of you. And um, we'll try to uproot or get you to become detached from the vine. And God wants us to remain. It's only as we abide in him that we can do great things for God, and God can work in your life. But there are going to be moments where life is going to throw you a curveball. And in those moments, you and I need to be prepared. Uh, this last Tuesday, uh, while I was in my office, Alan Turner came into my office, and uh, he was upset. He had received news that morning that his sister, Gail, had passed away. Uh, Alan is Sybil, Sybil Turner's uh, son, and uh, he didn't know how to break the news to Sybil. And I shared with uh, Alan, I'd be happy to go with you over at your mom's house. And so, uh, and so we did. Uh, Linda and, and Alan and myself, we went over to Sybil's house, and uh, Gail had been uh, struggling for with cancer for the last two years, and um, and we were at the door. Sybil opened the door. She was surprised, and uh, Linda shared the news with uh, Sybil that her daughter had passed away. No parent wants to outlive their child. And Sybil responded just the way I expected Sybil to respond. She started praying out loud, praising her God and Father, thanking the Lord for the relationship that she had had uh, 67 years with her daughter, Gail. And the fact that Gail knew the Lord Jesus Christ. And Gail was delivered from this bondage of sin and death and, and had experienced the ultimate victory. So with tears in her eyes, she was able to praise the Lord. She reflects the character, 
the nature of Jesus Christ. She is a perfect example of someone who abides in Christ. Because when life happens, God wants you and I to be prepared for the inevitable and continue to remain. And so we must train ourselves to remain. And there's one last area that I want to share with you this morning. And don't panic. We're not going to get through this whole outline this morning. Okay, We don't have time. So this will be uh, part one of a, of a two-part message. But what's the third area that is going to encourage us to uh, remain, to abide in Christ? Look at John chapter 15. We're going, to verse, we're going to begin with verse 9. Jesus says, As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. What matters most to God? You might say faith. And if you say faith, you're absolutely correct. Hebrews chapter 11 verse says, Without faith is impossible to please God. But look at this next verse in Galatians chapter 5 verse 6. Paul says this to the Galatian church. He says this, For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything anything but only faith working through love. Faith working through love. What matters most to God in life is a faith that's working itself out in love, showing that our faith is showing love to other people. This is the most important thing in life. Someone asked Jesus, what is the most important commandment? Jesus said, love God and love people. If our faith isn't express, it isn't working itself out in loving other people, our faith is meaningless. Paul knew that this was so important that he wrote a whole chapter on love in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 13 for a moment. Let me just read the first three verses. Paul says, If I speak in the tongues of men, and of angels, and have not love, I am a noisy gong 
or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, and if I, if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. Five things uh, I want to point out here in this passage of Scripture. Paul says, if I don't live a life of love, nothing I say will ever matter. Nothing I say, if I speak in any language in heaven or on earth, but I don't love others, I will only be making meaningless noise like a loud gong or a clanging cymbal. If you don't show love, if, if you, whatever you say, you, know, you, you could be trying to get your family's attention, but all you have is a bunch of rules and you don't have a relationship with your kids, if they don't know that you love them, that you care for them, they're not going to hear one word you have to say. And that goes for all of our relationships. There's no love. It's going to go in one ear and out the other. If I don't show love, Paul says, nothing I know will matter. Verse 2 says, I may have the gift of prophecy, I may understand all the secret things of God. I may have all knowledge. But if I do not have love, then I am nothing. You could be sitting under the finest Bible study teacher. You may know the book from Genesis to Revelation. You may have gone to the finest seminary. You have a great grasp of this word, this book. But Paul says, if you don't have love, all of that matters, matters not one bit. Third thing Paul says, if I don't have love in my life, nothing I believe will matter. Verse 2, even if I have the gift of faith, so I could speak to a mountain and make it move, I will still be worth nothing at all without love. It takes more than belief to please God. It requires love for other people. Fourth thing Paul says, verse 3, If I don't live a life of love, nothing I give will matter. If I give everything I have to the poor, even and even sacrifice my body, in other words, become a martyr in sacrificial giving, but I don't love others, I will be of no value whatsoever. Someone once said, you know, that you can give without loving, but you can't love without giving. And I kind of scratched my head when I thought of that before, thought of that, you know, how can I how can I give and not love? And and there's ways that we do that. You know, sometimes we give so that we can get back. We have the motto that says, Well, I'll if you I'll scratch your back if you scratch mine. But that's not giving in love. That's expecting something in return. 
I love our neighborhood meal ministry on Monday nights, where we've invited uh, uh, those in our among us who have a hard time making ends meet to come to a meal on Monday night, not expecting anything in return. Yes, we love them. Yes, we share the gospel with them. But uh, we're not expecting anything in return. But there's some people who give so that they can get something in return. Some people give out of guilt. You know, they're trying to make amends for their past. And so they keep giving and giving. And they have the mentality that, well, maybe hopefully one day my good works will outweigh my bad works. And so they're giving to massage a guilty conscience. Some people give so that they can control others. You know, we might give to our children so that we will control their behavior. They'll do what we want them to do. Some people give uh, for prestige and glory. They're wanting to bring attention to themselves. But that's, that's, not, that's not giving in love. That's giving to get something in return. And Paul says, none of that counts. And whatever you give won't mean a hill of beans. And then the fifth thing we see in 1 Corinthians 13 is that if I don't live a life of love, nothing I accomplish will matter. 1 Corinthians 13.3 in the message paraphrase says, no matter what I say or what I believe or what I do, I'm bankrupt without love. You can rack up a list of incredible personal achievements, but if, if you're not a person who loves, it's all meaningless. Let me summarize it like this. God says, I can have the eloquent, eloquence of an orator, the knowledge of a genius, the faith of a miracle worker, the generosity of a philanthropist, the achievements of a superstar, but I don't but if I don't have love in my heart, it is worth zero. It doesn't count. The only thing that matters to God is do I love him and do I love other people? If we are abiding in Christ, The Bible says we are going to be people who love others. Jesus was asked, what is the greatest commandment? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. Love matters greatly to God. Now, why is this so important? Why is loving others so important? Because God is love. Isn't, that's one of the verses the, the children shared this morning. Uh, we had a, a graduation for the, the four-year-olds at the, at the CDC on Thursday, and I shared with them the verse in 1 John 4, 16. God is love. Don't ever forget that. And because God is love, 
God wants us to be people who love others because this is the way of God. It's not complicated. If you have your Bibles, let's look at 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4. It's after Peter, towards the back of the New Testament. Beginning with verse 13. John says this. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us, because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. So we have come to know and to believe the Lord, believe the love that God has for us. God is love. And whoever abides in love abides in God and God abides in him. This is love. Let's go back to John chapter 15 for a moment. John chapter 15. And let me read once again Jesus' words, beginning with verse 9. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in in my love. Verse 12. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. Love is critical, church if we're going to abide in Christ. If we're not loving other people, it greatly affects our relationship with Jesus Christ. Oh, you may not lose, you, you won't lose your relationship with Christ, but you will definitely fall out of fellowship with Him. Is there someone in your life this morning that you're having a hard time loving. I heard one person talk about uh, an individual that they just had a hard time um, interacting with this this person. This person, this person's a Christian, but this person responds or relates to this individual like. Uh, She's infected with insects. She doesn't cr come across in a loving way. And this person is having a hard time loving that individual. Church, if, if we're walking with God, if we're abiding in Christ, we may, may not like a person, but we do have to love them. And that doesn't mean you have to be their best friend. No. But you will be 
you will be bearing fruit. You will be displaying the fruit of the Spirit towards this person you struggle with. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control. Jesus says, to abide in me, you must be people who love. And sometimes that's really hard to do. But you know who our greatest example of love is? It's Jesus Christ. Jesus chose to love people who were being very ugly towards him. And as a church, and there are Christians around the world, there are Christians in dangerous places of the world today, God is telling, you need to love your enemy. That's an impossible thing to do apart from Christ. Jesus says, apart from me, you can do nothing. And the only thing, the only person that gives us the ability to love like that is Jesus. The heart of man the heart of your enemy, the, the heart of the person that you're having a hard time loving, their heart's not going to be changed through you ignoring them or being unchristlike. What would change their heart is you loving them unconditionally. And you can't do that in the flesh. And we must love like Christ has loved us. Loves us. He's given, forgiven us of a whole lot. And we must have that same unforgiving nature, attitude towards those that we have a hard time loving. What matters most is our faith working itself out in love for other people. This will be evidence, friend, that we are abiding in Christ. Let's pray. Is this message hitting home with you this morning? Is there someone in your life that you just can't stand? And you have a hard time being around. God wants to help you love this person. You can't do it yourself. Would you ask God to help? God, help. God, ask God to bear much fruit in your life to love this other person. Would 
Jesus says, ask whatever you wish. And it will be done for you. This is God's will for your life. God wants to produce that fruit in your life. And in my life. Father, we're just scratching the sur surface with this topic. And it's, it's a subject, God, that we, we all struggle with. Except for maybe Sybil Turner. I can't imagine Sybil Turner, Turner not loving uh, anybody. And God, we thank you for that precious saint that you've given us this privilege to know walk alongside with and Lord I pray that you would just strengthen her as uh, she's going through a very hard time her and her family tomorrow's the service and God I know that you're going to be glorified in that service but uh, we just ask for a special blessing and presence upon them But, Lord, you know our struggles. And I thank you, Jesus, that you have forgiven each of us of a great deal. Help us to be people who love unconditionally. Help that love, Lord Jesus, be on our countenance. May they see Jesus in, in our expression and in how we treat other people. Jesus, you say that your people are going to know that we belong to you because of our love for one another. Help us, Lord, in this very important part of abiding in you. In Jesus' name.